millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction. And free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Story time. Burrow's furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. My name is Glenn and I'm a park ranger at the Warm Springs Reservation in Oregon. I have seen some strange things in my time, but what happened last week left me completely bewildered. My mother-in-law, who lives on the edge of the reservation, called me one day and said she had found some strange tracks in her backyard. I drove out to her house and examined the tracks. They were about 17-18 inches long and looked like they had been made by a giant barefoot creature. I was skeptical at first, but then I noticed that the tracks were spaced much farther apart than any human could manage. I started to get a sinking feeling in my stomach. What if it was true? What if there was a dogman out here? Later that day, I received another report from a local resident. They had seen a black bear running off the road into the brush with a dogman chasing it. I couldn't believe it. I had heard stories of werewolves chasing down prey before, but I had never actually witnessed it myself. I decided to investigate further and went out to where the bear had been last seen. 
As I approached the area, I could smell a terrible stench. When I got closer, I saw the remains of the bear. It had been shredded apart, as if something had torn it limb from limb. There was no sign of any other animals or humans around. It was just me and the gruesome scene in front of me. I was starting to feel really uneasy. What kind of creature could have done this? Was it really a dogman? I had to find out. I spent the next few days searching the area, setting up cameras and traps, hoping to catch a glimpse of whatever was out there. One night, I heard something outside my cabin. It sounded like heavy footsteps, much heavier than any human could make. I peeked out the window, but all I could see was darkness. I stepped outside with my flashlight, and suddenly I heard a loud roar that echoed through the trees. I was frozen with fear, and then I saw it, a huge, dark figure, standing in the shadows. I couldn't believe what I was seeing. It was at least eight feet tall, covered in shaggy black fur, and its eyes glowed with an otherworldly light. It stared at me for what felt like an eternity, and then it turned and ran away into the night. I never saw the creature again after that, but I knew that I had witnessed something incredible. I reported everything to my superiors, but they dismissed it as a bear attack. They didn't want to create a panic among the local residents. I still think about that night often, wondering what else is out there in the forests and mountains of the Warm Springs Reservation. The Dogman may be just a legend to some, but for me, it's a reality that I will never forget. My name is Nathan and I am a researcher on the subject of Bigfoot sightings. Over the years, I have heard countless stories about encounters with these elusive creatures, but one story in particular has always stood out to me. It's the story of Havtron and his encounter with two Bigfeet in the Deschutes National Forest. I first heard about this incident through a mutual friend of Hav's, who put me in touch with him. After weeks of trying to arrange a meeting, I finally got the chance to sit down with Hav and hear his story in person. Hav was hesitant to speak at first, but as I explained my interest in the subject and my willingness to keep his identity confidential, he began to open up. He told me about how he and his wife were avid hikers and would often venture out into the wilderness to explore. On July 13, 1996, Hav and his friend Dustin were hiking up a steep slope in the Deschutes National Forest when Hav slipped and broke his leg. He passed out from the pain, but when he regained consciousness, he was face to face with two big feet. The creatures were massive, standing at seven half to eight feet tall with broad shoulders and large feet. One was a gray-white color, while the other was a sandy gray with a white ruff on its head. Have couldn't tell if they were male or female due to their hairiness, but he could see that they had small mouths and no whites in their eyes. The big feet were making noises at each other, but Have couldn't understand what they were saying. He passed out again and when he woke up, he was lying on the ground near his wife, who had been waiting for him at the trailhead. She told him that two ape men had carried him out of the forest and left him there. Hav's wife described the creatures as horribly ugly with long hair, except on their faces, heads, and feet. She was visibly shaken by the encounter and Hav was left with a broken leg, a story that no one would believe, and a sense of unease that would stay with him for the rest of his life. As I listened to Hav's story, I couldn't help but feel a sense of awe and wonder. Here was a man who had come face to face with one of the greatest mysteries of our time, and yet he was met with skepticism and disbelief. I knew that I had to keep his story alive, to share it with others who were just as fascinated by the unknown as I was. But when I tried to contact Hav again a few months later, I found out that he had moved without leaving a forwarding address. It was as if he had disappeared leaving behind only his incredible story and a sense of mystery that would linger for years to come. To this day, I continue to search for answers about Bigfoot and the many other unexplained phenomena that surround us. And while I may never know the truth about Hav's encounter, I will always be grateful for the chance to hear his incredible story and to be reminded that there is still so much we don't know about the world around us. Not me but my cousin in the 80s was on a camping trip with his wife. 
It wasn't a busy day for camping and according to my cousin, the ranger told them that they were the only ones camping there that night. Anyway, so it's getting late and my cousin said he spots something across the lake. He thought it was a bear standing, so he grabs his binoculars. It was sort of like a bear, but it was standing up on its hind legs. He said it wasn't a bear because it had a face like a 70-year-old man, and the fur was longer than a bear. He thought maybe it was someone in a suit, but it disappeared quickly. Whatever it was, he was so spooked and wanted to leave the park immediately. His wife thought he was being ridiculous though and just having an overactive imagination. She had brought a shotgun and insisted that they be fine if anything happened. That night, everything is going fine until my cousin is awakened by footsteps. Now his wife is still asleep at this point, but he doesn't want to wake her. He just tries to keep still and quiet as possible. A figure approaches the tent. My cousin said he was positioned so that his head was on the corner of the tent. This figure leans down and gently presses its hand around the corner of the tent. So the figure is basically putting its hands around my cousin's head. I don't remember how long he said this lasted, but this figure eventually left. My cousin said it smelled like mechanical things, like someone working on a car, although he heard no car. The next morning, everything at the campsite was untouched, no problems at all. My cousin didn't mention anything about finding footprints, and there wasn't any evidence that someone had been there. He eventually went and researched the area and discovered that their camping area is supposedly a hotspot for Bigfoots and such. He firmly believes that he saw some kind of Sasquatch. I'm not sure if I believe him. If anything, I always thought it was just a person messing with him. I actually have several other stories, but I didn't want to post a drag on, and I thought it would be too overwhelming. My name is Dustin Anderson, and I have been an avid motorcycle enthusiast for as long as I can remember. One day, my friend Dustin Everndan and I were out riding when we decided to stop and take a break. We had been riding for hours, and our bodies were sore and tired. As we sat there, enjoying the stunning view of the valley below us, something caught our eye. It was a large animal, standing about six to seven feet tall, with broad shoulders and walking on two legs. At first, we thought it was just a bear or some other large animal, but as we watched it, we realized that it was something else entirely. The creature got up from where it was sitting and began to walk around on two feet. We could see it clearly now, and it was like nothing we had ever seen before. It had long, shaggy hair and massive hands that almost dragged on the ground. As we watched, the creature sat down on a nearby stump, seemingly unaware of our presence. We were both frozen in shock and fear, not knowing what to do. We knew that we should have just gotten on our bikes and left, but something about the creature's presence had us rooted to the spot. We watched it for what felt like hours, and then finally, we decided that we had to go. We didn't want to risk getting too close to the creature, as we didn't know how it would react. We got on our bikes and sped away, our hearts racing with fear and adrenaline. As we rode away, I couldn't shake the feeling that we had just witnessed something truly extraordinary. I knew that what we had seen was real, but I also knew that no one would believe us if we told them. We tried to put the incident behind us and go about our lives as usual, but the memory of the creature haunted us both. We couldn't stop thinking about it, wondering what it was and where it came from. Months went by, and we didn't see or hear anything about the creature again. But then one day, we received a strange message on our phones. It was a video of the creature we had seen, captured from a different angle. We couldn't believe it. Someone else had seen the creature too, and they had proof. We tried to investigate further, but the trail went cold. It was as if the creature had disappeared without a trace. To this day, I still think about that day on the mountain, and the creature we saw. It's a memory that will stay with me forever, and one that I will never forget. What convinced me was I saw it happened and my cousin saw it with me. 
We were cruising through some rural areas in my cousin's car and I want to say it was about 1 or 2 a.m. We weren't smoking or drinking but just having a nice cruise. We went on this road that went through some heavy woods but we did it before so we had no fear. It was dark, of course, no moon with just a slight sprinkle of rain. We were coming to this part in the woods where there was a street light but it was an old light and was starting to dim out. There used to be an old building there but was torn down but the light stayed up for a few years. Mind you, this was very rural and no one lived nearby for maybe 20 miles, so it was extremely rare for you to pass another car, let alone another person at this time. It didn't help that the locals said stay out of the woods at night. I was just looking out my window at the woods, and when we were coming up to the light, next thing I know, the car does a movie turn like stomp on the brakes to a 180 and freaking burned rubber the other way. I get weirded out and look back to the car, and I see the road illuminated by the street light, and I see this massive black figure beside the road. It takes one step, and it's in the middle of the road, another step, and it's already on the other side. Immediately, I look forward scared out of my mind and look at my cousin, and I see the intense fear on his face. We don't say a word to each other, and he drops me off. I stay up till sunrise and finally go to sleep. Funny now that I think about it, we never talked about once not after it happened, but yeah, we saw Bigfoot, and the locals do tell very similar stories. I was driving home to Bend near Sunset, just south of La Pine on US Highway 97, on November 5, 1996, when a hawk was flushed from the tree line ahead on my right. It flapped vigorously, headed southward directly toward my car, crossed over it and kept going. It was not gliding, it was accelerating. Seconds later, I saw a tall, rangy figure suddenly emerge from the cover of the tree line, about 150 feet ahead on my right, and stride determinedly toward the road across a grassy fringe. As I slowed and closed the distance to within 50 feet, the figure with no hesitation, stopping neither to look in the direction of my approaching car nor to gauge the speed and distance, glided across the two lanes in four strides and kept going directly into the cover of the pines. On the other side of the road, I asked my wife if she had seen the person crossing the road. I wanted her opinion of what had transpired before expressing my own suspicions. Unfortunately, she said no, that she had been trying to follow the flight of the hawk behind the car. On immediate reflection, I realized I had seen something unusual but could not say what exactly I had seen. Nor can I say now what it was. But if it was a human being, it was a strange one. The figure seemed not just tall but very tall, I would estimate close to 6 feet 8 to 7 feet tall, based the figure's height relative to roof of my car. The length of stride required to cross the road in just four strides would be quite large. Its actions did not seem typically human. It did not wait for its chance to cross at the roadside, it waited hidden in the tree line. When its chance came, it never slowed until hidden in the pines on the other side of the road. It didn't even turn toward me, though its efforts indicated it was aware of and concerned by our car's approach. It didn't run or jog as a human might who is caught crossing the road in front of an approaching car. Its step was a well-articulated, almost thoughtful, full-heel-to-toe stride with a vigorous push-off. It moved briskly with a long swinging arc of the arms, a slightly stiff body lean with the head and trunk bent forward from the waist. The head was not bent at the neck. I saw no neck, the whole upper torso was bent from the waist. I have thought about the clothing during the brief seconds, I had seen the figure, the clothing appeared to be completely and uniformly dark, top to bottom, without distinguishing characteristics. I could not identify the articles of clothing. Jacket, jeans, boots, gloves etc. With one exception. The one article of clothing that I might have noted was perhaps a peak lumberjack's cap with a fuzzy tassel. On reflection, I wonder if it might instead have been the often reported pointed head or skull. I had been a park ranger for over a decade, 
and I thought I had seen it all. One day I was called to investigate a series of strange disappearances in a national park. At first, I thought it was just a case of lost hikers or campers who had wandered off the beaten path. But as I dug deeper, I realized that something far more evil was happening. The disappearances all seemed to be connected, with each victim vanishing without a trace in the same area of the park. But what was even more bizarre was that there was no sign of a struggle or any evidence of foul play. I knew that I had to follow every lead, no matter how small, if I was going to get to the bottom of this mystery. And as I dug deeper, I began to uncover a web of lies and deceit that went far beyond what I could have ever imagined. It all started when I stumbled upon a secret government facility hidden deep in the woods. At first, I thought it was just a research station or a wildlife monitoring outpost. But as I got closer, I realized that something far more dark was going on. The facility was involved in genetic experimentation, using animals from the park as test subjects. They were creating hybrid creatures, blending the DNA of different species in a twisted attempt to create the ultimate predator. I was horrified by what I saw, and I knew that I had to expose this atrocity to the world. But before I could do anything, I was ambushed by a group of armed men who whisked me away to an unknown location. For days, I was held captive, interrogated, and threatened. They wanted to know everything I had discovered, and they made it clear that if I didn't keep quiet, I would suffer the same fate as the missing campers and hikers. But I refused to be silenced. I knew that what they were doing was wrong, and I was determined to fight back. I failed. The next day, when a new park ranger arrived, he seemed completely unaware of the disappearances or the government facility and a last park ranger. It was as he had never existed, as if he had been erased from history. Last October, I was in California for roughly 11 days after my brother's wedding in San Diego. I just wanted to drive around the state and visit California places that had captured my imagination over the years, and I loved driving almost as much as I loved cars. I don't necessarily believe in Sasquatch, but I would never discount someone else's experience, especially if I wasn't there, so off I went. Clipper Mills is in the foothills of the Sierra Nevadas, about 70 miles northeast of Sacramento. Very near that dam was in the danger of failing last year, pretty remote. So after Bodega Bay, I had to cross the state for my destination, arriving near Sacramento in time for a late dinner. So it's after dark when I set out on the final leg. Very dark. It takes me a good while on all the twisty turning roads to find my way there. I wanted to get to the exact spot the person who posted the video parked that night. He wouldn't say in his video, so I poked around YouTube comments sections and related videos and found out more or less about this spot. Around 11 PM, I pulled my rented Camry well off the dark two-lane road to avoid any issues with the very sparse traffic. I saw no one whatsoever, so I sat in the darkened interior, listening, allowing my eyes to dark adapt for about 20 minutes. I heard nothing but assorted insects as I sat there, saw nothing move at all. Eventually, not wanting to activate the car's interior lighting, I crawled out of the driver's side window into the black night, armed with my cell, with no service, a handheld GPS to find my way back should I get lost in the dark, and a red flashlight I use with my telescope. I stand there, right by that car window, for a solid two minutes before I could screw up the courage to move away from my Camry. Eventually, I walk up the road, still not hearing anything but bugs. Suddenly, without conscious decision to do so, I fear right and head up into the woods. My feet are crunching pine needles now into my mind, I sound like Bigfoot stomping around myself. After what was about 20 minutes, I stopped to listen, and added to the insects, I hear this faint screeching sound far off in the blackness, and it doesn't sound insect-like at all. It has more consciousness to it. Then, now also thoroughly dark adapted, my mind is whispering that it sounds like a person in distress or a large primate. I remain still. 
I hear something small scurrying around in the underbrush as well, followed a minute later by the same forlorn sounding wail, but now closer. Time to return to the car. As I'm walking back to the car, I hear this spooky sound every 20 to 30 seconds, and now it is coming from behind me and in front of me. It seems to have a vocabulary of some sort to me now. Different vocalizations, some guttural, some high-pitched, and everywhere in between. My mind is having fun just messing with me now. I was never so happy to see a camera in all my life. I started it up before my ass was in the seat, I think, and half expected to see scores of red eyeballs glowing at me in the headlights from the dark forest in front of me. Now spooked, my mind telling me some homicidal axe-wielding lunatic was nipping at my heels, I went back the way I came at much quicker pace than I had arrived. Out of nowhere, right in front of me, this black lab runs out of the woods on one side of the road and into the woods on the other. I barely missed crushing him that scared the out of me right there. I slowed down a bit and the thought of nearly mowing down an innocent mud overcoming my mind. Some hour down the road towards Sacramento is when I noticed I had cell service again. I opened my XPD app and found a nearby hotel for the night. Once safely enclosed in said hotel room, I began scouring the internet on my iPad and came to the conclusion that what I heard was a barred owl or a western screech owl. Can never be a hundred percent sure I suppose, very creepy though. And I'm done with wandering alone in the woods at night I think. First off I've lived and hunted and hiked in these woods most of my life. Born and raised here by folks that trace our line back to the Meeks Party Blue Bucket Wagon Train. So I have studied plenty of animals that have lived here. What I heard on that late fall evening made the hair stand straight up. The month was September the weather was warm. My husband had returned to Redmond to go bowling on his league. I stayed behind as some friends were to come up later that evening and join us. The state was doing a lot of road work and were blasting parts along the highway to clear space for wider roads. I was putting more wood on the fire when I looked at my watch our friends were late as usual. It was 10.30 a Friday. You could heard the trucks and the blasting going on along the road. Then there was this real loud blast. It shook the ground under the stump I was sitting on. Further away from the road you could hear a rock slide started from the blast. Then the woods came to life. I could hear running of a very large animal going through everything in his way. Underbrush was snapping and small trees could be heard crashing to the ground. As the rocks in the canyon stopped sliding the woods became quiet again. Then just across the lake from where my tent was pitched the howling and screaming started. These sounds went on for at least half hour. I. Being alone at this time became rather unnerved and decided that my tent would be a better place to wait for my friends from. I crawled inside and found my rifle load a shell into the barrel and sat there in the dark. The sounds across the lake had all but vanished I could still hear something moving over there and it wasn't deer, elk, bear, cougars, cattle, people, lynx, badgers, wild dogs or wolverines. At 11.30 p.m. my friends finally made up to the camp. They could tell that something had made a very bad impression on me and asked what had happened. I told them. We waited till my mate got back from town but no more noise was heard that night. As this is about more than just what I saw it would be nice for it to be keep unlisted. Thank you. This story is of mine. It's actually my dad's. Every other summer, him and a few of his friends go over to Maine and do some bass fishing. The encounter happened at around 2 to 3 in the morning. My dad got out of his tent because he had to take a piss. As he was draining himself, he heard a snap about 25 feet away. He looked up and saw nothing. To make sure it wasn't a predator, he shone his flashlight over in the general direction. The woods were really thick so he really didn't see much at all, except for a pair of eyes. He really couldn't tell how high up off the ground they were, so being the person he is, he walked towards it. As he did so, whatever the thing was ran away and my dad got a better look at it. 
He says that it was around eight feet and smelled pretty bad, like trash. He told his friends the next day, but they decided to stay the rest of the week due to the fact that my dad didn't feel that the Bigfoot wanted to hurt them but was just more curious. He came home and told me, and now a few years later, I'm telling you. I really hope that one day I could see what he saw so I can fully believe that this world is actually a strange one. My brother-in-law and I were bow hunting in the Deschutes National Forest. There are endless amounts of dirt forest service roads throughout the central Oregon region. We would drive down these roads and find a promising spot get out and walk the area. There are a lot of old fire areas and we found one we had not been to before it was a burnt out section of forest. Approximately 1,500 acres in size located about 2 to 3 miles from the base of Paulina Peak and Newbury Crater and about 1 mile in from Highway 31. And about 1 mile in from a dirt power line road and on the southwest section of the fire. The burned area was very wide open and we were near some small rock outcrops. There was a catline road around the fire and this is what we parked on. It was approximately one and we had no luck so we decided to try one last place and then go home for the day, which is where I have described. We parked and got out quietly and I headed into the woods on the other side of the road. I walked about 100 feet in and was startled by a dow jumping out of the brush and fleeing. We decided to go in the direction that the dow had gone thinking that there may be a buck somewhere nearby. My brother-in-law went off in the direction she thought the Dow had gone and I stayed back and looked for tracks to see if there was others. This is when I noticed some very strange prints on the ground. They were like a human's footprint but larger. There were about 8 to 12 prints by one creature, as far as I could tell, the prints were not all in one direction. It looked as if the creature, animal, or whatever may have shifted its weight or something when it turned because the dirt was pushed up more on the outside of the print in places. I told my partner and he didn't seem to be interested. He just kept looking for the deer. Then he finally came back up over the little rise and I showed him the tracks. He didn't seem to know what to think. I kept studying them and tried to come up with an answer for them. I thought maybe the wind but no the chances of the wind making one let alone eight twelve of the prints was very unlikely or rain but there is no way, or a bear, but for a bear to be on its hind legs and to take that many steps was very very unlikely. The prints from what I remember were about 12 to 15 inches in size, and some of the strides were possibly 4 to 4 and a 1 half feet. We had been at this location for about 30 minutes when my brother-in-law said we should go. He sounded kind of shaky which was very unusual for him. I asked him why and he said we should go. So this got me kind of spooked for the first during this half hour. So we got in the car and left. We never saw a creature or heard any unusual sounds, other than the prints the only thing that seemed odd to me was that when we first got to this location is that it was very quiet. I've spent more than my share of time alone in the woods, but one occasion definitely stands out as the creepiest thing I've experienced while no one else was around. I have a friend that has 40 acres outside of town that he has slowly converted into a subsistence farm for his family. Years ago when he mostly only had a dozen or so chickens out there I spent a few months living on the property in a tent while I was between seasonal work. At the time the property was decades neglected overgrown pasture land with a few clumps of denser woods. I had set up my tent and homestead right in the middle of the property in a small clear area between two densely wooded thickets. My friend would come by once a day to feed the animals, but other than that, there was zero chance of me seeing another human unless I left the property. I really enjoyed the solitude, and had taken to observing nature in a way that I had never really done before. When the incident occurred I had been living out there for about two months, so I was well used to the sounds of nature outside my tent at night. I had gotten to the point where I wouldn't even bother to get out of the tent and look if I heard a small animal walking past my tent at night. I had even gotten used to the sound that the roof of the pump house made when wind blew hard from the southeast. 
My friend had been short on nails when he was building the roof over the pump, so the southeast corner wasn't nailed down, and a strong wind would cause the corner of the corrugated metal roof to peel up, and then crash down loudly when the wind stopped. It was about 200 feet away from my tent, so it had caused me to jump a bit when I first moved out there, but within a month it had just become another sound outside my tent at night. It was even sort of comforting. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Like some people that live in big cities say that they can't sleep without the sound of traffic outside their window. It probably helped that the sound was always paired with the sound of wind blowing through the trees. So one night I'm tucked in my sleeping bag, starting to drift off when I hear the shed corner come crashing down. Nothing to worry about, I probably didn't even open my eyes. But then I hear what sounds like a person mimicking the sound the shed had made, right outside my tent. My blood freezes in my veins, and my eyes open wide in the darkness, and I hold perfectly still. I know that my friend has already come and gone hours before. I am alone on a piece of land that is large enough that there is no reason for a person to accidentally end up next to my tent in the middle of the night. After a few moments the wind makes the shed roof crash again. And again I heard a person mimic the crashing sound a few seconds later. I called out and asked if there was anyone there. No response. The shed roof crashed a third time, but this time there was no mimicking sound. So I am out of my sleeping bag and out of my tent, flashlight in one hand, camp knife in the other. I shine my flashlight right where the fake crashing sound seemed to come from. Nothing. It's the edge of the woods, but the sound had been close, and I can see through the brush well enough to tell that there isn't a person hiding behind the bushes and low branches. I'm looking at the ground, and none of the dead leaves look particularly disturbed. I'm trying to figure out how far someone could have moved at a slow enough pace to not make enough sound for me to hear their footsteps on the leaf litter, answer, not very far, when the shed roof crashes again. And I hear the same fake crash sound again. Right next to me. Where I am 100% positive there isn't a person standing. At this point my heart is beating a mile a minute, and I am getting ready to believe in the supernatural. While sweeping my flashlight beam through the human-free spot the sound seemed to be coming from, I see a bird. It's sitting in the low branches of a tree, at about head height. I stop moving the flashlight, and keep the beam on the bird for a moment. The bird opens its mouth, and makes the fake crashing sound. Oh, and the little guy stuck around for another month making the same sound, so I eventually got used to his sound at night as well but I resented it every time I heard it. This happened in 2021 when me and three of my friends decided to go out late at night to go for a walk through a forest in Mission, British Columbia, to a small lake in late at night. We were at the bushes before the train tracks and we were standing there contemplating whether it was a good idea or not to move forward with going into the forest past the train tracks. For some reason we stood there and two of my friends felt uncomfortable that we were going to go in while my other friend and I were feeling adventurous and all up for the walk. So we stood there and we were like, why don't you guys want to go in? And you could just tell they felt uncomfortable and wanted to leave. So we waited a bit longer, then both me and my other friend felt uncomfortable and we decided it's not a good idea that we go. Then we heard a branch snap in the bushes a couple feet away from us like something stepped on it, but there was no other sound. It was completely silent. It wasn't a small branch either it was a thick one. It wasn't just a snap it was a snap. No sound of bushes moving or any movement. Like something was still in the bushes watching us. So we all decided it was no good, 
felt we were being observed by something or someone that could possibly be dangerous. And we took off back to the truck immediately and left. Probably just an animal but still who wants to take the risk of being stalked or mauled by an animal who is potentially observing you as a group. I have had a lot of paranormal encounters, but this is not my story. This is my mother's. My mom and my uncle had to go pick up my grandmother. She worked in a small town called the Red River, and the blizzard was so bad that my grandmother's car wasn't turning on. So she told my mom to pick her up and be safe because the roads were very slippery. My mom told my uncle to go with her, and they were at a cuesta in New Mexico, and they drove slowly because the storm was so bad. While driving, a large creature started walking across the road. It was about 9 feet tall, and the creature had white fur and large teeth, and it just stared at my mother and uncle, and then it turned away and ran to the woods. They started talking about it, and they both agreed that it was a Bigfoot. The next day, my uncle went to the area, he found footprints, and even took a picture of it. In the mountains of New Mexico, creepy stuff happens every day. I'm not a huge paranormal believer, but my friend had something strange happen to him I'll never forget. We live in a fairly large, but low crime rate city. Things like bank robberies and murders that most cities air once at late night news is typically breaking news and is aired for days if not weeks around here. About 10 years ago there was an incident. A man attempted self-harm by veering his late 90s Ram pickup truck left into oncoming traffic. At the last second he jerked the steering wheel left. He collided with a smaller car. The accident caused the death of the passengers inside the car, a mother and two young kids, however the man driving the truck survived without a scratch. Police and EMS and fire crews arrived and began their reports. While looking through the truck, they found something disturbing. On the passenger floorboard they discovered the head of a woman. Police went to his house and found the body of his wife in the freezer in the garage, who he had killed maybe 20 minutes before attempting to take his own life. The story lasted about a week on the news, pictures and videos blasted the internet and television channels. A few months later, my buddy and I were at a wrecking yard searching for parts for his truck. We came across the same pickup truck from the news, which happened to be the same make and model as my buddy's. He wound up looking through it and pulled some things. Interior trim pieces his was missing, door panels, and the steering wheel. The steering wheel had the stereo controls and he wanted to see if he could hook them up on his. After installing all his parts, things started getting weird. He called me one night because he got a flat. His passenger front tire blew out on a back road while he was cruising around 50 miles per hour. The blowout caused him to swerve right and off the road into a field. I helped tow his truck back to the road and put on his spare. What's weird is his tires were fairly new, and expensive thick tires that are hard to puncture. A little while later, his passenger lower ball joint snapped, causing his truck to veer to the right, again, and again off the road. He had to have it towed to a shop and be repaired. Again, a little while later, his passenger tie rod snapped, and again swerved right and off the road. After replacing everything on the passenger side with new expensive parts, his truck had alignment issues that caused it to always pull to the right. He found a new shop to do the alignment, but no matter what they did, it always had a slight pull. Hitting potholes and bumps it jumped right, a lot of times almost causing him to lose control, and he was getting extremely frustrated. A few months later he decided to try to wire in the steering wheel controls for the radio. He pulled the steering wheel and was trying to wire up connections when he realized he was out of connectors. He put the old steering wheel back on so he could drive to the parts store, and lo and behold, the pull was gone. He called me freaking out, he could drive with no hands on the wheel hitting bumps and potholes and the truck stayed in its straight path. He drove it for a few more days, then convinced himself that the other steering wheel must be haunted. The crash was when the man swerved left into oncoming traffic, 
and my buddy's truck began always pulling right after installing it. He threw the steering wheel away and never had another issue. When I was a kid I used to take three four weeks out of the summer and go visit my grandparents in a small town in Michigan, and one year I brought a friend with me. Well one day my grandma, my friend and I decided to go to a small local ice cream shop, Route 66, the best ice cream I've ever had, we stopped and got our ice cream, and then my grandma has an idea. We decided to go to an old graveyard and look through it to see if we could find any family members. My family's been in the town for a long time. The graveyard was pretty small with most of the graves along the outskirts and a few towards the middle, so we walked clockwise around the graveyard just reading names. As we get back around to the front, I looked over my shoulder towards the middle of the field and saw a woman walking towards the back in a long white dress. I did a double take and she was gone. I asked my friend and grandma if they had seen her but they hadn't and insisted I was being paranoid. To this day I swear I saw someone. About two years ago, I had gone to bed as usual. I was spending the night at my parents' house after a family dinner, and my parents hadn't changed my room since I had moved out years before. My bed was a full bed, smaller than a queen and was positioned directly under a rectangular window in my room on the second floor of my parents' house. The window sill was about four feet from the floor, and the window measured about five feet long by three feet high. It is a large enough window that, if you wanted to, you could fit your entire body through the sliding opening. Outside of this window was a portion of the roof. When I became older, I used to escape out of this window and go see my girlfriend at night. I had glued the alarm sensors in the window frame to one another, opened it after my family went to bed, climbed out on the rooftop, and climbed down the fence in the backyard to get in my vehicle. I guess what I'm getting at is it's somewhat simple to scale the house from the ground, and get to the point where you can stand directly outside of my bedroom window. As a child, I was never crazy about sleeping in my room. I consistently complained to my mother that I continuously saw shadows at night, or strange figures sitting on the roof outside. I made such a big fuss that my mother tore down the curtains that were there previously, and replaced them with blinds. From that moment on, I consistently made a point to close the blinds in a way that I could not see outside from beneath, the window is slightly higher than my bed position, and no one could see in from outside. I don't know that all of these details are necessarily important for my experience two years ago, but I felt it best to try and paint as complete of a picture as possible for you all. Okay, so two years ago I go to sleep. It was somewhere around 10.30 PM. I had closed the blinds in my usual fashion, and ensured the window was locked. I do not remember dreaming at all, I just remember feeling this incredible sense of dread, that feeling of falling down real fast to the ninth degree. I opened my eyes, and I was in my room, reclined in my bed. Everything appeared normal, with exception to a tall, skinny, black hooded figure, think six foot four Palpatine, standing at the foot of my bed. All I could make out was a very pale pointed chin poking out from beneath the hood. The chin looked discolored, with some noticeable blue hues, and wrinkles. I laid there, motionless, feeling more and more afraid. After the figure stood over me for a while, a draped arm rose from his side, revealing a pale, frail hand. The hand had three fingers, one of which was extended almost in a pointing type fashion. The figure leaned over, finger extended, and reached out, slowly planting his finger between my eyebrows. The moment he made contact, I felt this immense, focused pressure, like he was going to put his finger right through my head. I tried to move, but could not. I tried turning my head with all of my strength to no avail. As the pressure built, I began seeing white emanating throughout the room. I recall wrenching my neck to the left so hard, that I finally broke contact with him. When I looked forward again, he was gone. I was left with just a dark room, and nothing else. I immediately called my best friend, 
who actually picked up his phone at 2.30 a.m. and spoke with me for a good 15 minutes. He assured me that I had undergone some sort of sleep paralysis episode, and that it was all in my head. By the end of the conversation, we were planning lunch the following day. After I had hung up, I looked out my window, and could see the moon. I thought nothing of it for a moment, but then realized that my blinds were turned in the opposite direction that I had left them, and my window was unlocked. I have absolutely no explanation for any of this, and I am incredibly reluctant to share this story with anyone. This is the first time I am writing my experience down. Has anyone else ever experienced something like this? I am 100% certain my blinds were closed, and 110% certain my window was locked. I was never happy about sleeping near windows as a child, and today I avoid it completely. Years ago, when my now wife and I were going to grad school, we rented out a very old house in a downtown area. The house was craftsman and built in the 1910s. My wife is very superstitious, so I would always make jokes about the house being haunted. Would joke about the attic cover in our kitchen area, being locked, etc. Anyway, one night my wife and I went to sleep in our normal sides of the bed. We had our distinctive sides of the bed, just like other couples do I think? To the point where if either of us was laying on the wrong side of the bed, the other would ask are we switching sides then? We never switched sides unless it was discussed. When we woke up in the middle of the night, we went back to our same sides. Yada, yada. Well, that next morning I woke up earlier than my wife and, to my surprise, I was on the wrong side of the bed. I was confused, so I tried to logic it out. Maybe she woke up in the middle of the night and told me to scoot over. Maybe we both went to sleep on the wrong side and didn't notice. Maybe I'm confused and this is my side of the bed after all. I wrote it off as nothing and tried to go back to sleep. Then my wife woke up and I heard her mutter something. I sat up asked her to repeat what she said. She then said something along the lines of, how did I get on this side of the bed? I literally got the chills and my hair started standing up on my neck arms right there. We were both freaked out and tried to come up with some explanation. Maybe she sleepwalks and pushed me over to the other side? None of us have a history of sleepwalking, maybe one of us rolled over the other? Unlikely, as the other person would most likely wake up and go WTF? Maybe one of us woke up to go to the bathroom and got back in bed on the other side and pushed the other one over? Also unlikely because at least one of us should have remembered that. Kicker, I was doing a sleeping experiment for a class where I monitor the amount of movement turns I have during a night. I had a pedometer, step counter, attached to my hip while sleeping. This was already night 4 or 5. Every night showed between 20 and 40 steps that, I suppose, translate to turning over. Well I remembered I was wearing it and was excited to get some further info on the matter. The counter reads 0. 0 is in no movement. Note that there is a reset button, but it is very hard to press, especially by my sheet slash mattress slash flat waist. Cue hair standing up again. LOL. To this day, I'm, kind of, convinced we were abducted by aliens and when they came back to put us back in bed they forgot the orientation and just said. Fuck it, they want notice. And let's reset this thingy for good measure. Ha. Huh. Over 2,000 steps. Past his daily target, no doubt? Well, we noticed. I've only ever experienced mild paranormal activity. None of them overly interesting and most of which could probably be explained away with the age-old phrase, it was probably just the wind. But I have experienced two interesting events, one just bizarre and the other almost heartwarming. This story actually happened only a week ago and still has my mother and I disturbed. It was Thursday night and I'd just come home from university. Yes I still live with my parents since my uni is in the same city and housing is expensive. I hadn't had any late classes that day so I was coming home at around 2pm so it was still light out. Not some witching hour shit. 
I walked in the house through our glass sliding door. My dog took this chance to go outside and my mom greeted me since she was folding clothes right next to the door. I closed the door behind me and it only walked a few feet into the house when my mother gasped. I turned around just to watch the sliding door open itself. My dog walked back in with a guilty look on his face and the door closed behind him. I should clarify that this sliding door is purely mechanical. We don't have some fancy automatic door opener. The door itself is extremely heavy and also broken making it already hard to open. So when the door opened by itself we were quite surprised. Either my dog has psychic abilities or our house has a dog-loving poltergeist. 2. This story is much older. I would have only been 7 years old at the time and the story is really my mom's but I'll tell it anyways. But before I tell my story you need to know some background information. I am type 1 diabetic, not the one you get for being fat, I have been since the age of 4. For those who don't know, this disease can cause my blood sugar levels to rise or fall sporadically. High blood sugars are not that much of a worry since they most of their damage over decades but low blood sugars are an immediate danger since they can cause me to seizure which in turn destroys my brain. Now that you know that I can continue. When I was younger, if my mom woke up in the middle of the night she would come to my room and test my blood sugars by poking my finger to make it bleed, it sounds bad but it's not that bad. But this specific night she had stayed up later than usual and tested me around midnight before going to bed. She would later wake up at 2am and debate whether to test me again. Eventually she decided against it, since she had checked my blood sugars only 2 hours ago and they were stable then. She then tried to go back to sleep but she was startled when her phone rang, once. The phone only played her ringtone once before cutting off as if it had never played. Calls at this late of night weren't a rare occurrence. My mother works with child protective services so she gets lots of calls from distressed clients at random times of the day but mostly during the night. My mom checked her call logs to see who caked her and found that her last call had been at 9pm not 2 a.m. She was confused but dismissed it as her imagination working overtime. But once again the question of going to test my blood sugars came up and this time my mom gave in to her anxiety. She walked down the halfway to my room just in time to catch me mid-seizure. If a seizure is caught quickly the damage can be insignificant but left to my own accord I could easily die during one. With the help of my sleepy father, my parents would bring me back to consciousness using a substance called glucagon, a complex sugar that is great for increasing the blood sugar rapidly, that can only be applied with an enormous syringe. To this day, no one knows who called that night but my mom likes to think it was my deceased great-grandfather, a Juno Beach veteran who passed away the week before after succumbing to severe bone cancer. But who knows? A few years ago when I was away in college I went out to party one night and got back to my dorm really late. At the time I had my own bedroom. When I was in the bedroom I had this weird feeling someone was in there with me. I cannot really describe it in words but I felt like I was being watched and the air just seemed really still. I checked my closet, under the bed etc to make sure no one was playing a trick on me but I could not shake the feeling off me. It got so unbearable I had to keep the light on. At one point I heard laughing and just got so creeped out between hearing the laughing and feeling as if someone was in there with me. Eventually I decided to just sleep in the living room which had a completely different vibe. At about 4am I made a Facebook post something along the lines of my room is definitely haunted and went to bed. Oddly enough I had a dream about my great great aunt and she was the youngest I had ever seen her and laughing and drinking. I awoke the next day and a roommate comes up to my and says I saw your Facebook status I guess, our other roommate, told you what happened last night completely confused I asked her to explain. Apparently while I was out that night in my room they heard laughing and the door shaking and when two of my roommates entered there was no one in there and they started freaking out. This all happened a few hours before I came back. Of course my family saw the Facebook post and was all about the questions the next break when I came home. 
My grandmother made the weirdest point. The night I posted the status was my great great aunt's birthday, the one I had dreamt about. I do have the screenshots from the FB convo but that got my original post deleted lol whoops sorry still new here. The last few months living in my old apartment were absolute hell. It started with what, on the surface, seems a funny story. My ex had just left for work, and as I headed back into my room to sit at the computer, the shade from my ceiling light literally flew across the room and hit me in the shoulder. It's not something I could easily explain given that it's one of the ones you need to actually screw the light bulb into to make it fit, and the bulb hadn't budged. Nor were there any windows open, not that that would have been enough to make it travel the distance that it did. That turned out to be the first of an increasing number of experiences over a period of five or six months, the worst of which was probably while lying in bed and hearing a guttural growl from the foot of my bed. My ex and I both turned to each other and said please tell me that was you. I've never felt a constant existential dread 24-7 like I did for those few months, and ultimately prompted me to move the F out. When I was younger, about 810, I went to Nicaragua. It was a trip with my dad and sisters. We flew into Managua International Airport from Miami and were picked up by some family friends in the afternoon. My grandparents lived in Rama so we had a four-hour drive ahead of us. We were in a SUV that looked kind of like a Bronco, but I'm not sure if it was. In the front seat, we had the driver, my sister and myself. I was near the window. Then my dad was in the back with a few of his brothers and our cousins, catching up and planning the upcoming days. Aside, my sister and I viably remember looking over at the driver and the keys fell out of the ignition. He chuckled and kept driving. We were terrified. Now the road to Rama, during this time at least, was horrible. It was raw dirt and rocky proving to be a very bumpy ride. Not to mention you were enclosed by jungle on each side and it wasn't lit at all. It was getting darker outside and I had one of my hands out the window, playing with the passing air. We weren't so close to the edge of the road to where I could grab the leaves but close enough that I could see about a foot or two into the thickness of the jungle. I was playing around with the air, kind of zoning out when all of a sudden, a gnarled, clawed hand reaches for me and almost touches me. I felt the heat coming off of the hand, I knew it was real. My sister was also dozing off but she saw me pull my hand away. As any 8-10 year old girl would, I started screaming and crying. My dad tried to figure out what was wrong if I was hurt and started calming me down. I told him what I saw and felt and you could see the concern on his face. The others in the back of the Bronco grew quiet except for one person who mentioned La Mona. La Mona means monkey woman in Spanish, but it didn't look like a monkey hand to me, no one said anything else to us for the rest of the ride, they quietly spoke amongst themselves. My sister switched seats with me and rolled up the window so that a small stream of air could pass through. My dad didn't mention anything when we got to my grandparents' place but I told my grandma about it. After feeding us quite a bit, she told me my dad had a run-in with monkeys outside their house when he was younger. I ended up getting really sick the next day, something similar to food poisoning and was miserable for the rest of the trip. When we got back home to Miami, I told my mom about it and she and my grandmother, on my mom's side, recounted a story about my mom seeing La Mona when she was younger. My grandma was working late and so my mom was looking after her three brothers. My grandpa was out drinking with his friends, as always. My mom and uncles were watching TV when something heavy hit the roof and started running around. When it jumped to the ground outside, they felt the floor shake. It pounded and pounded on the door, trying to get in. Then my mom saw a set of claws come under the door as if it was trying to rip the tin door open. My grandpa and friends had come home and seen what was happening. He grabbed his shotgun and they chased it back into the jungle. A next door neighbor went running to my grandma's bakery and told her what happened. They both came back to check on the kids. My grandma believes La Mona was looking for my grandpa. 
I'm not sure why though. After my mom passed last year, I had a couple occurrences happen. One was a coat that fell off a hook in my hallway, up and off a hook with no one around. I heard something fall upstairs and the coat was laying in the hallway. The next two I was in and out of sleep, but I swear I heard her talking to me through my alarm clock radio while I was laying in bed. Another night I was laying in my daughter's room getting her back to sleep, and I fell all seep on the floor and was woken up by footsteps approaching me, sprang up to look around and everyone was sleeping. The last occurrence I was completely awake. Again putting my daughters to sleep and a wind-up ballerina that played music, started playing a song. The item was sitting on the same shelf for four years basically untouched. It is also way out of the reach of my daughters so I know they didn't grab it earlier. At that point I said, thanks mom I know you're here and nothing has happened since. I've got lots of stories. Large parts of my childhood were spent on a reservation and I swear every house there has something spooky in it. I will just quickly tell a few notable ones. When I was about 8 years old, my cousin and I were playing hide and seek while the adults were gone. I walked through the kitchen and right by a bunch of food on the table. I've never been very observant and completely didn't realize that he was hiding in the fridge. I walk to the hallway and as I'm gazing down I can see a little bit through the doorways. A small black figure went running across one of the rooms at the end and dives under their bunk bed. I thought I caught my cousin so I ran into the room to check under the bed but nothing was there. A lot of people had seen this figure in their house. Apparently their uncle had turned a corner and bumped right into it and that it was solid but he couldn't see through it. Just darkness. Different story. I was left alone at 16 in my mother's house when I started to hear a baby cry in the wall. At first I brushed it off. Gotta just be the neighbors in the other apartment. That's when I realized my mom no longer lived in a fourplex and that our nearest neighbors were too far to hear. I told her about it and she had heard it too. We later found out that a traditional funeral for a baby had been held in the house. So we smudged it and left a plate of food outside. 